the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. And welcome to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Come along with us. Again, my name is Mark Durkin. K-12 education is the playing field, as the 16th President Abraham Lincoln so rightly stated, that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I want to turn to my co-host and founder of Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hagstrom, where tonight we want to discuss what the founding fathers initially intended for education in this country. And what did they understand in terms of how to preserve and thrive under a constitutional republic? What took place at the turn of the 20th century that has changed the trajectory of education in a way that has had devastating consequences. In order to provide proper context, Rebecca will first help us turn our attention to the preamble of the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. Good evening. It's so great to be with you again here yes, tonight, well. Mark. Um, yes, we are going to take a look at uh, really what was the original intent of education here in the United States of America. And we are going to start with the Declaration of Independence, which, of course, we all know was written on July 4th. Actually, I don't know if our new school children know this, Uh, but those of us who are maybe above the age of 30 know uh, that the Declaration of Independence um, was signed on July 4th. And the preamble, uh, 1776, the preamble is, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. How important is it, obviously, for the citizenry to be involved, to know what's going on? Yes. Is what is taking place, Mm -hmm. is it aligning with the consent of the governed in accordance to the U.S. Constitution? Right, and the consent of the governed is something that is so, so important as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. No passivity. They work for us, not the other way around. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Now, while many of our listeners are obviously very familiar with the Declaration of Independence, they may not be so familiar with the Northwest Ordinance of 1787. And in fact, Article 3 to the Northwest Ordinance of 1787 was passed before the U.S. Constitution 
was officially enacted. And in fact, the people that adopted the Constitution are the same people who adopted this Northwest Ordinance. And the ordinance was a law that governed the territories before they became states. It was a very short document. And basically what it said in the beginning of Article 3 is there is one sentence that has to deal with education that always gets overlooked. Mm -hmm. Okay, It was the first education law. It has never been repealed. Mm -hmm. No one has ever passed a piece of legislation over the last more than 200 years calling for its removal. And this is what it says. It says, quote, Religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind, schools and the means of education shall forever be encouraged. So, so simple is, yes. and yet so so profound. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it provides the foundation for what education should be worked upon. Mm-hmm. And so what is this saying? It's saying you need to have three things that are necessary for good government and happiness. And you get these things through the schools, and those things, again, are religion, morality, and knowledge. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And the founders really believed um, that the new nation needed a virtuous citizenry in order to have self-government. And and this is why they named those three things in the Northwest Ordinance. They realized that schools were a great opportunity to carry on those values, those virtues, um, throughout the citizenry so that they would remain a free nation. Yes, in um, conjunction, of course, with this being the, the focus in the family structure as well. Yes, exactly. And they wanted to make sure that people understood the nature of humans, um, the the difference between good and evil. Um, and, and, of course, that was based upon a Judeo-Christian ethic and. Yes. Um, sort of an absolute standard, which then helps up the tone for really what is the judgment of good and evil or what is good and, and bad behavior. And um, the schools were a great opportunity for them to share that, to keep those values and those virtues being passed on from generation to generation so that we could continue this wonderful experiment of self-government. A responsible and informed citizenry. Exactly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, the education, it was it was not a federal project. People right. may not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, there were no federal monies. Uh, founders were, they were concerned about education, but they had believed education was not the the, the province of the federal government, if you will. It was of, uh, of local governments. So mm-hmm. today, uh, you know, the the Northwest Ordinance, again, it's, it, it has not been repealed, mm-hmm. and it still exists. It's ignored, forgotten, and the challenge to present to educators, why don't we base the education system today on this principle outlined in Article 3 of the Northwest Ordinance of 1787? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have veered very far from Oh, this my principle. goodness. That is right. And, yeah. you know, when you think about it, a couple hundred years seems like a long time. But when you consider, you know, all of history, it's really not that long. No. Nations that have existed for thousands of years. Yes. You know, right? Yes. <laughs> so, well, you know, leftivist, uh, you know, progressivism, it really began to infiltrate the country in the early 1900s. And we're talking not even 150 years after the founding mm-hmm. of the country. And, you know, the progressives uh, at the turn of the century, they were aware of the Northwest Ordinance of 1787. They they were an educated people. But some of the bigger names mm-hmm. attached to this progressivist movement, uh, right. John Dewey, uh, this was a person, he was a famous education reformer whose ideas have been influential in education and social reform. And he opposed the Northwest Ordinance. In fact, uh, his whole point was is that his attitudes 
at different time, meaning there are different problems. So in other words, Mm -hmm. the issues that were facing the founders, the colonists at the uh, turn almost of the, uh, you know, in the 18th century, Mm -hmm. okay, those problems are not the problems that we were facing at the beginning of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. So this whole notion of inalienable rights that have been endowed to you by your creator, those those no longer apply, they mm-hmm. would argue. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to go along with history as history unfolds. And in doing that, you know, we'll then see the benefit for all of society. That's how it was kind of pitched. Right, right. So, uh, Frank. Which was to the detriment of the schools, as we're going to absolutely find out later. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Frank Johnson Goodnow. This is another name uh, that was very influential in this uh, education reform. He was a prominent American educator in the early part of the 20th century. He was a progressive intellectual. He was named the pro, uh, the president, rather, of James Hopkins University. John's, Johns Hopkins. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say James? <laughs> okay. yeah. James Johnson. Johns, yeah. <laughs> Johns Hopkins University in 1914. Mm-hmm. And he wrote an essay that was titled The American Conception of Liberty. And he called for politicians to get on board by look at what was going on in Europe. That Mm -hmm. was kind of the model, Mm -hmm. especially in the country of Germany for a lot of these education reformers. Mm -hmm. And a name that's more familiar to a lot of people who've if they've done a lot of study of history, is Woodrow Wilson. Of course, he was uh, a president here in the United States. He was calling for the ignoring and the removal of the preamble of the Declaration of Independence. That's really bold. Very bold. When you think about that, that's 100 years ago. And yet then... Uh, he was calling for the removal of the preamble. Absolutely. Uh, and, and again, because of this notion of conditions having changed, bringing about new problems. And so the the answers to the problems that the founders saw, well, in, in Woodrow Wilson's mindset, they did not apply uh, for the problems that uh, his generation was facing. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, they, they reasoned that government must evolve, actually, to meet these new challenges and that people must be free to adapt government forms to more easily resolve modern mm-hmm. problems. And we thus said. we get the idea that our Constitution is an evolving document, yes. which is a very progressive mindset it um, is. versus um, others, those of us who would say, no, we need to look at the original intent. That's right. In mm-hmm. fact, their, their, their thought was only rights and responsibilities are determined by society through the operation of the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting time. And, you know, I, I, I know if I was listening to the show, I would think, um, really, this was all taking place 100 years ago, because right now, this whole progressive mindset has taken the country so by storm, um, especially in the last year, mm-hmm. that I think people think it's something new. Right. Um, but really, this has been around for 100 years. Mm-hmm. And really, it's just taken this long for it to really take deep root. Right. And and really, um make the changes that they've been well, wanting for a long time. And that's the thing. The changes, you know, throughout the 20th century came at a much slower pace. Mm-hmm. And We didn't have all the communications that we have We didn't have the communications today, yeah. we have today. There right. was a little bit more of, I think, of a tug of, you know, war uh, between uh, both sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it became more obvious as time was going on that maybe there's more of a collaboration than we would like to admit. And we're just mm-hmm. seeing things move at a rapid pace right now yes. in terms of radical transformation. Yes. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so contrary to the founders, of course, you know, this notion of wanting to remove the preamble to the Declaration of Independence. But when we look at the preamble to the Declaration of Independence, I just want to highlight again 
that everybody is created equal in the image of God. In our Mm -hmm. essential human nature, we are the same. We have the same human qualities, Mm -hmm. as was argued by the founders. And and some of these rights, again, the pursuit of life, liberty, uh, happiness, the right to property, these things cannot be taken away justly by any government, constitution, or legislature. That's what the founders firmly tried to communicate in our founding documents. That was part of the American experiment. That That was part of the whole foundational reason for them coming from Europe or from England over yes, to the United States freedom. in the first place was freedom from government that controlled all of that. That's right. And mm-hmm. it's important to note, and our listeners need to know that governments here in the United States are here and they're supposed to be here to protect those rights. Okay. This is the basis of society according to the founders. But mm-hmm. the progressives now, they, they come along and they say, no, 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 that's not mm-hmm. true. All these rights come from the society this collectivist mindset as opposed to individual rights and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And the society, under the progressive uh, thought, it grants rights and does so by having legislatures that pass laws. <laughs> okay. When it's working right, exactly. properly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Democracy, in quotations, moving to give an expression to the will of the people. What's right today may not be right tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and this flies in the face, too, of what President Kennedy, I'm reminded uh, of his famous uh, speech where he famously quipped, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And students, they falsely believe that we live in a democracy and not a republic. And I would encourage them to check out the U.S. Constitution and look at Article 4, Section 4. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a really significant difference. And so they shouldn't be used interchangeably Mm-mm. at all. Um, yeah, so so really, who's in charge then of American education? You know, we've been talking a little bit about the Northwest Ordinance and the whole intent of our founders as to what education, the purpose of education was, and, and then how the progressives kind of swooped in in the early 19th. Uh, or the early 20th century, 1900s, and um, and really tried to change the way uh, education took place and, and what the purpose of it was. Um, so our founders really believed, as we said before, that the virtues of self-government um, need to have uh, citizens who are actually a virtuous people. Yes. And they need to reflect the values in the preamble of the Constitution, and they need to reflect morality, um, good, and understanding good and evil. Um, but that's really the opposite of now what we have. And I'll interject this, yeah. too, if I could. You know, they need to know the source mm-hmm. of where exactly. this comes from, and yeah. that is from God, their creator. Yeah. If we, Because we hear this tossed around today, you know, I have my truth. True, the good they'll, point. They'll, they'll mm-hmm. pass it off as, this mm-hmm. is my absolute truth, but mm-hmm. where's that coming from? Yep. Yep. Yes, you're right. And that's kind of the point of the preamble is that it says it comes from our creator, which is God. Um, And and of course, as I was about to say, this is really the opposite of what we have now. Um, We have bureaucratic educational experts in in D.C. that kind of pass along to experts across the states and and the local school districts. Um, People are compelled from the top, really, as to what's important in education when I Ideally, and what the founders intended was that that was going to come from the localities. And again, it was going to be based in um, the virtue that was associated with the Judeo-Christian ethic. So instead of finding what is good, true, and beautiful, um, we ended up with kind of a centralized vision of education that really then over the course of time and 
um, the progressive era, which also happened around the time of the Industrial Revolution. Yes. Um, education then became much more of a sort of a skills um, factory. Um, you know, we hear people talk about the factory model of education, and that really arose out of the industrial era and the progressive movement. And they really felt that the idea was that kids really just needed to be prepared with skills for whatever career they were going to um, pursue. And that really should be determined by what the labor market needs are. And you still hear people talk a lot about that today, um, that, you know, we need to be thinking about what the jobs of the future are and educate kids properly. Um, when ideally the founders, they wanted the students to be prepared for whatever type of career would happen any time down the road because um, the idea was to make vir- make virtuous citizens right? so that they could think, that could, that they could learn easily. They knew the difference between right and wrong. They were virtuous citizens. So they not only could, sure, pursue whatever career they needed to, but they could also then make sure that we are upholding the values of this country and then remaining a free republic. And that's, you know, that reminds me of what John Rockefeller said. You know, we talk about coming out of the, you know, industrial revolution and are now on a course of acquiring of skills so that we can do these jobs. Rockefeller said, I don't want a nation of thinkers. I want a nation of workers. Yeah. Yep. That's a pretty bold statement too. When you think about, you know, today, I don't even think you would have anybody have the courage to say that, even though, Mm -hmm. That has really been sort of the attitude that you see from uh, the educational bureaucrats mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunate and even sadly, some of the people um, in the business community who really just want the kids to be prepared for jobs. And again, the Northwest Ordinance, that reminder is that the foundational pieces were religion, morality and knowledge. Mm-hmm. And uh, without the religion and morality piece, um, we really lose sight of what's important. Of what is good and what will yeah. preserve the And that they're individuals. Republic. You know, right. every child is an individual. They're not just a cog in a machine. They're not just, they don't just exist to serve a industrial, you know, complex or a business complex. Mm-hmm. Um, these are individual children that are being raised um, by a parent or two that love them deeply and want the best for them. And so we can't look at kids as a commodity. And I think that that's part of, unfortunately, what came out of the Industrial Revolution and the Progressive Era with respect to education. Absolutely. And in fact, when we point back to the Creator, who is the source of all religion and morality and knowledge, um, you know, he says very clearly in the Bible, in Isaiah 520, you know, woe to those who call good evil and call evil good. So... Uh, Again, you know, we need to understand the differences between truly what is right and wrong from the one who is the source of all absolute truth, as he is truth. Understanding and developing these virtues that allow us to be self-governing. It's for our protection. It's for our good. It's for the good of the nation. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. um, well, you are listening to Education America here on AM 1280 The Patriot. I am Mark Durkin, along with Rebecca Hagstrom, as we are discussing again our nation's founding. We are discussing uh, the transfer from what was put forth on the Declaration of Independence and then how progressive thought really emerged in the early 20th century. And we're going to be getting very soon to the impacts that it had Mm -hmm. on education here in America. So, you know, around the turn of the the 19th century into the 20th century, uh, progressivism, it began to really take hold of America. How did the progressive era begin to impact 
education. Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of that came out of the fact that, you know, we originally had the Enlightenment where reason was very much a value. Um, but then around the turn of the century, um, then individualism became much more important to people. And part of that um, was because uh, they realized that um, with Piaget's theory of cognition, they realized how children learn and that um, so much of how they learn is based upon how they are developing um, by using kind of a whole, a whole child-centered philosophy, child-centered philosophy. Um, the ideal in um, with cognitive development is to understand how a child learns and let that be your central focus of educating a child. But what they did is they took it a step further kind of during this romantic era where they were kind of pushing back against reason and wanting to become much more individualistic and um, more experiential. And it was as though they thought that Piaget's theory meant that the child himself knows what to learn and how to learn. Hmm. So they took it that next step that is really inaccurate. That isn't at all what Piaget's intention was with cognitive development. It was just to to help people understand that we have to focus on how they learn, how they develop, and and that they have stages of development, and that when we teach in conjunction with those stages, the child's going to learn much more readily. Yes. But instead, the progressives took it, um, like I said, that next step to to believe that child centered education didn't mean that we educate in with the grain. It meant that the child literally becomes the center of his own education and gets to start to determine what is best for themselves as though they just happen to know through development, Mm -hmm. which is completely inaccurate. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in the context of all of this then, I mean, we have the beginning of the civil rights era. We Mm -hmm. have the time now that comes to recognize all Americans and all of them having equal rights Mm -hmm. that have been endowed to them by their creator. And 1954 was a real uh, pivotal time in this country. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that was obviously an important part of the era, and we're so glad that that part happened. Obviously, the civil rights movement was an extremely important element of American culture. And uh, in 1954, which really isn't that long ago when you think about it, um, we had the the Supreme Court case Brown versus the Board of Education. And of course, it was really unfortunate that it took this case to really emphasize to our states that there cannot be segregation in education. Um, They ruled unanimously in that case that racial segregation of children in public schools was a violation of the 14th Amendment. And um, unfortunately, though, implementation of that court decision went slowly and um, states kind of resisted it. And this really shows, especially in the South, um, that that racial division was still alive and well at that time in 1954. Right. And the real the, the, the tragedy of this, I mean, the power of the preamble of the Declaration of Independence, this this idea that all men have been created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, um, that has been clouded. That has been tainted because of the history of slavery and inequality in this country. And however, America has been an experiment. It has seen tremendous progress. And I feel like that's the part that gets left out in a lot of the discourse today, unfortunately. Right. And we are working towards a country that truly treats all men as created equal. Now, this this Brown versus Board of Education ruling, uh, this 
there was great resistance, obviously. Mm-hmm, there wasn't mm-hmm. the immediate implementation of this mm-hmm. across many of the states, especially in the South. And so in a way to to help uh, enforce Brown, uh, we had the uh, move in uh, 1964, uh, the Civil Rights Act uh, being adopted, which was huge in this country, specifically mm-hmm. Title IV, uh, which prohibited discrimination in public schools because of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. And under Title IV, public schools include elementary schools, secondary schools, and public colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the push for civil rights um, with the determination to advance the Declaration of Independence preamble that all men are created equal. Uh, this, uh, the face of this in the 1960s, of course, was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in his I Have a Dream speech. And uh, there are two parts of that speech that really stand out to me mm-hmm. and, to, and to many in the country. To everyone. To everyone. Mm-hmm. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed, that we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And perhaps he's best remembered for saying, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Mm -hmm. And oh, if that would be, you know, proclaimed as much now as it was then. And that's what we're trying to show here in this show is that the progressive era led to a change in how kids were educated and the civil rights era, which started out to be a really positive thing, Mm -hmm. has now um, kind of been usurped as as we've seen through critical race theory, and we've covered that a lot. So we're trying to show our listeners sort of the progression of what's taken place over the last hundred years um, within education. Yes. So while the civil rights movement obviously continued to grow in the 60s, which we are so thankful for, the values um, in the American classroom and ultimately the country actually were changing um, for the worse in the 1960s. Uh, 1962 and 1963 saw the removal through two Supreme Court cases of Bible reading and prayer. And that was a significant win for the progressives. They had been working on that for quite some time, and they finally got what they wanted. Mm-hmm. But the removal of God's direction for the classroom, really through Bible reading and prayer, was a, a direct attack on the tenets of what the original founders meant for education, that Northwest Ordinance religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government. Right. And, and of course, that the Bible, which was removed from the, the, the public classroom, it, it has much to say uh, from, from God what happens when his guidance for what is right and what is good and v- what is virtuous mm-hmm. is removed from the classroom to the detriment of uh, the, the civilizations. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and again, we can't really say enough. Abraham Lincoln said it well. We repeat it often on this show um, and he warned this 160 years ago. The philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation is the philosophy of government in the next. And with the removal of godly values from the classroom, you know, what's the philosophy of the education? Um, it's changed significantly since the 1960s. And we're going to get into that next week as we yep. take a look at the last half of the 20th century into the 21st century uh, exactly. to really uh, yep. break that down for yep. our listeners. Both from a value standpoint and from an academic standpoint, because it really had a significant effect mm-hmm. on both elements. Well, we only have about a minute left in this uh, week's program. Rebecca, I think you have an announcement for us that I you'd do. like to share. I do. There are some people that are working very hard to implement school choice. Uh, many, many Minnesotans have been frustrated over the past year with schools being closed and with critical race theory. So we hope that you'll come and join us for a rally at the governor's mansion on Saturday, May 8th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. 
You can find out more information by going to TakeChargeMinnesota.org. That's TakeChargeMinnesota.org. And we are so thankful for those who are speaking out about the importance Mm -hmm. of school choice. Um, There is actually a omnibus bill that came out of the Senate. It was voted on and it sponsors education savings accounts. So that's what we're hoping we'll see go through the legislature and actually get signed by the governor. That's right. And if you'd like to follow us here on Education America, you can go to our website at education-america.org. Also following us on Facebook and several other social media platforms. Facebook and Instagram. That's right. There you go. Yes. We will catch up with you again next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Good night. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.